Welcome to episode 42 of the Baked and Awake podcast. Before we continue and get into today's episode, please listen to our brand new, updated, user license, privacy policy, conditions of use, and terms of service agreement, which I will recite for you now in its entirety. Baked and Awake, Terms and Conditions of Use. By listening to, overhearing, or merely being in the same room as this podcast, when someone else is listening to it, you are agreeing to be bound by the Baked and Awake podcast, Terms and Conditions of Use, all applicable laws and regulations, and agree that you are responsible for compliance with any applicable local laws. If you do not agree with any of these terms, you are prohibited from using or accessing this product. The materials contained in this podcast are protected by applicable copyright and trademark law. Use license. Permission is granted to temporarily download one copy of the materials, information, or software on Baked and Awake's podcast for personal, non-commercial, transitory listening only. This is the grant of a license, not a transfer of title. And under this license, you may not. 1. Modify or copy the materials. 2. Use the materials for any commercial purpose or for any public display, commercial, or non-commercial. 3. Attempt to decompile or reverse engineer any software contained on Baked and Awake's podcast. 4. Remove any copyright or other proprietary notations from the materials. Or, 5. Transfer the materials to another person or mirror the materials on any other server. This license shall automatically terminate if you violate any of these restrictions and may be terminated by Baked and Awake at any time. Upon terminating your listening of these materials or upon the termination of this license, you must destroy any downloaded materials in your possession, whether in electronic or printed format. Disclaimer. The materials on Baked and Awake's podcast are provided as is. Baked and Awake makes no warranties, expressed or implied, and hereby disclaims and negates all other warranties, including, without limitation, implied warranties, or conditions of merchantability, fitness for a particular purpose, or non-infringement of intellectual property, or other violation of rights. Further, Baked and Awake does not warrant or make any representations concerning the accuracy, likely results, or reliability of the use of the materials on its internet podcast, or otherwise relating to such materials, or on any podcast, linked to this podcast. Limitations. In no event shall Baked and Awake or its suppliers be liable for any damages, including, without limitation, damages for loss of data or profit, or due to business interruption, arising out of the use or inability to use the materials on Baked and Awake's internet podcast. Even if Baked and Awake or a Baked and Awake authorized representative has been notified orally or in writing of the possibility of such damage. Because some jurisdictions do not allow limitations on implied warranties or limitations of ability, liability, for consequential or incidental damages, these limitations may not apply to you. Revisions and errata. The materials appearing on Baked and Awake's podcast could include technical, typographical, or photographic errors. Baked and Awake does not warrant that any of the materials on its podcast are accurate, complete, or current. Baked and Awake may make changes to the materials contained on its podcast at any time without notice. Baked and Awake does not, however, make any commitment to update the materials. Links. Baked and Awake has not reviewed all the podcasts linked to its internet podcast and is not responsible for the contents of any such linked podcast. The inclusion of any link does not imply endorsement by Baked and Awake of the podcast. Use of any such linked podcast is at the user's own risk. Cite Terms of Use Modifications Baked and Awake may revise these terms of use for its podcast at any time without notice. 
By using this podcast, you are agreeing to be bound by the then-current version of these terms and conditions of use. Governing Law Any claim relating to Baked and Awake's podcast shall be governed by the laws of the state of Washington without regard to its conflict of law provisions. General terms and conditions applicable to use of a podcast. Privacy Policy Your privacy is very important to us. Accordingly, we have developed this policy in order for you to understand how we collect, use, and communicate, or disclose and make use of personal information. The following outlines our privacy policy. Before or at the time of collecting personal information, we will identify the purposes for which information is being collected. We will collect and use of personal information solely with the objective of fulfilling those purposes specified by us and for other compatible purposes, unless we obtain the consent of the individual concerned or as required by law. We will only retain personal information for as long as necessary for the fulfillment of those purposes. We will collect personal information by lawful and fair means, and, where appropriate, with the knowledge or consent of the individual concerned. Personal data should be relevant to the purposes for which it is used, and, to the extent necessary for those purposes, should be accurate, complete, and up-to-date. We will protect personal information by reasonable security safeguards against loss or theft, as well as unauthorized access, disclosure, copying, use, or modification. We will make readily available to customers this information about our policies and practices relating to the management of personal information. We are committed to conducting our podcast in accordance with these principles in order to ensure that the confidentiality of personal information is protected and maintained. Additional Terms If a court with authority over this contract finds any part of it unenforceable, you and Baked and Awake agree that the court should modify the terms to make that part enforceable while still achieving its intent. If the court cannot do that, you and Baked and Awake agree to ask the court to remove the unenforceable part and still enforce the rest of this contract. To the extent allowed by law, the English language version of this contract is binding, and other translations are for convenience only. This contract, including additional terms that may be provided by us when you engage with the feature of the podcast, is the only agreement between us regarding the podcast and supersedes all prior agreements for the podcast. If we don't act to enforce a breach of this contract, that does not mean that Baked and Awake has waived its right to enforce this contract. You may not assign or transfer this contract or your membership or use of the podcast to anyone without our consent. However, you agree that Baked and Awake may assign this contract to its affiliates or a party that buys it without your consent. There are no third-party beneficiaries to this contract. I'm sorry. Does not compute. Self-destruct sequence activated. Okay, just a little uh, palate cleanser after all that audible fine print. I hope you guys don't mind the three of you that are left who 
actually listened to all seven minutes of that. <laughs> uh, and I hope you don't mind I indulged myself with a few silly sound effects to underscore the contrast between the preposterous nature of the sound of some of the provisions of that terms of service, which, by the way, I found online in under five minutes of web searching something to the effect of terms of service generator. You know, the contrast between the seeming like you would think it's a joke if someone was reading you this contract out loud, you would generally, I think, pause at some point during that recitation and ask the person describing this to you or reading this out loud to you if they were joking or perhaps mad. Um, yeah, that, those aren't joke terms of service. I customized it ever so slightly with a find and replace on terms like website, switching that out for podcast, um, some sort of blank name there uh, that was in there and inserted my own website, or my own podcast's name, excuse me. You know, a couple other little tweaks there. I included a clause at the end there, I think under other terms or general terms. And that was actually an inclusion excerpted out of LinkedIn's terms of service. That was toward the end of the terms of service that we just read there. Uh, particularly having to deal with how you would arbitrate or mitigate that uh, contract in court or seek to mitigate it however you might. Um, that, you know, the contract should be considered enforceable whether or not it's really legal or not it should be treated as such because we've both agreed together to these terms of service I did this today um, and at the cost of preempting a planned episode about garden updates and some tribulations I'm having out there in the backyard garden uh, this season with pests and things um, and uh, you know as much as I'm into my garden I'm not sure you know we'll see how much everybody else is into it and feeling the the garden related content but I really felt the the feeling this week under a number of sort of influences both from emails that I've been receiving from virtually every social media platform to be specific. I believe I've received one from even odd ones like Pinterest, who I may have signed up for once upon a time, but really don't use. But Facebook sent me something recently. Um, Instagram updated some terms of service recently. Google sent me an email about an update to terms of service. I believe this all goes back to some the recent hearings on what all these guys have been doing uh, in front of Congress with our data. As my own terms of service pointed out, I'll be collecting all of your data for my personal profit 
and enrichment and analysis and for those of my third parties and vendors whom I reserve the right to sell that data to at any time. Um, uh, who else did I receive one from? Uh, gosh, I'm trying to think what other apps I use regularly. Did I get one from Instagram? I've been getting them from a bunch of different providers of whether it's a platform, a social media, or otherwise, um, all of which are updating and, and restating their privacy statements and their terms of service to us. And it reminded me starkly how many of these contracts we have all entered into just by carrying our smartphones in our pockets and downloading all your favorite apps, games. I mean, some of my favorite games that I want to play on, on my phone here, little motorcycle games and other dumb shit like that, uh, they want access, all sorts of access to your device. Now, you can usually opt out of most of them, um, and they'll do it under the guise of connecting you to your friends online who might also be playing the game. They'll do it under the guise of, uh, you know, creating an avatar image for you. Uh, you know, oh, l let us have access to your camera roll so that we can you can select a picture to place above your player. Uh, a number of these terms of service and the ones that I just read were very benign. In fact, I decided to not do a draconian, a completely crazy, out of line, uh, and super scary terms of service because just that general one, first off, is more than you know, interesting enough and, and uh, you know, fatiguing enough to read and try to parse and understand what you're signing away your rights to. Um, what I mean by this is in terms of what could be worse. Well, terms of service like those that are on services like Snapchat, which I believe reserves the right to, um, well, Snapchat got busted for not deleting your deleted videos, storing them locally on the phone, unencrypted. They had to settle with the government over that one. Well, I may, I think I have a story that addresses that or mentions that point, um, among others, specifically. Um, and uh, you know, Instagram with their flap from a few years back, when they sounded like they wanted to own and indeed did, uh, you know, state that more or less in their in their terms of service that anything you posted on there they owned and could use and or sell at will to third parties, uh, with or without your consent, I think without. <laughs> um, and uh, they had to walk that back majorly and publicly when they lost a lot of users. And uh, I think I left the service for a few months, for a couple months over that one. Or did I? Did I pause? Maybe... Maybe I never paused. I definitely took a, a morale hit like everybody else did when that occurred and didn't post as much for the longest time and was looking into dumb stuff like how to watermark my pictures as if, okay? Um, as if anybody cares what, you know, my stuff looks like. But, you know, the thing about it is is there's many, many millions of us using these services and, and many of you folks out there are better photographers than me and folks were uploading you know, art and photos, etc., that were created uh, using, you know, sophisticated uh, cameras, etc., and uploading them anyway to Instagram after a little bit of editing, etc. Um, and so, you know, it wasn't just phone pictures, and it isn't just phone pictures to this day. So we're definitely, you know, 
talking about stuff that some folks would value intellectual property wise the 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 ability to own what you publish yourself out there on the web the same way i hope and expect that i own my podcast regardless of you know where it's heard and who repeats it or mirrors it or moves it around the internet um either on my behalf or on their own behalf uh getting a little worked up here let me take a puff um let me get this thing here let's get this lit I got I have some wonderful homegrown from a special friend of mine I believe this strain is called grease monkey strain and it is a uh, gorilla glue crossed with I want to say forum girl scout maybe um, I'm not doing a formal strain of the week on it I'm just rolling it up and smoking it because we're gonna wade in kind of heavily on this like whole front of the the theme that was opened up with our terms of service here um so let me get this So yeah, so I think we'll we'll leave backyard garden updates for an upcoming episode, and that we should also just consider that a developing situation, developing story. Okay, um, and uh, I'll let you know how my battle goes here very soon, um, possibly partially on social media um, with some pictures. But uh, I hesitate and I hate to show that kind of stuff. It's so gross and sad and makes me feel like such a failure as a gardener. Um, like I didn't take care of my IPM when I, I thought I was. So that's what that comes down to. Um, so getting into our show notes. The Yeah, I mean, so that's the end of my rant on terms of service. It's in summation, we have dozens of these contracts in place with different companies. I'm about to drop out of my personal commentary and jump into a couple of stories that may continue to shine a light on this in a little bit more organized uh, fashion. <coughs> Excuse me. But we've seen over and over again these companies abusing their terms of service. I, I stole LinkedIn's... Uh, last clause because they were called out right at the top of one of these stories that I was reading about with how, how crazy their claims of ownership of everybody's posts on LinkedIn and, and ideas, etc. Uh, were on their terms of service. Uh, so, you know, we it's not just Facebook. I keep on saying it, right? Um, and that's hopefully not broken record status. That's more like let's reinforce it to ourselves together. Let's remember together what we're not so much up against, but what we've already chosen to wade into and live with on some level. And, you know, what does that mean? Does it mean just fucking roll over and show your belly and not think about it ever again and just say yes to every terms of service that's ever put in front of you? Or does it mean push back 
not fight back per se, but push back, sit up, take a look, take a listen, take that moment. If that terms of service is seemingly 40 pages of scrolling long, maybe there's a reason. What do they need all that space to explain? You know what I mean here? Um, I know it's harder every day to sit and read, to have quiet time, to reflect. And who wants to take time out of their busy schedule, our crazy lives, taking care of families, raising kids, doing it all, working, to to have to understand and read what the latest bullshit update is from... You know, the Yelp app, if you still use that shit, you know, or, and and actually, you know, if, if Yelp sends you an update on terms of service, that means they still got your email address, and you might want to read that and check that and find out what they got and what they're doing with your shit, even if it is out of date, even if it is old, even if you haven't logged into it in two years. You know, that was the thing about the Pinterest one that gave me pause was I was like, man, how do you guys... Even no, I care, you know, that, that, that account has never really been, I don't even know if I've pinned two or three things. And if it was, it was on like the first day I ever logged into that thing. And, you know, I haven't looked at them. I, I don't even know how to get to them. <laughs> you know, I certainly couldn't tell you the password to that account. And yet these guys are sending you an update, you know, they know, and they're getting it out to everybody. Um, so how many of those contracts have we forgotten about? You know, something to look into. Scroll through that phone. Maybe delete a few apps that you really don't use. Make sure that everything associated with those apps is off the phone. I'm a recently converted, you know, trying to be anyway, converted Android phone user. And I come to find out that there's all sorts of apps in the App Store that are all kinds of creepy malware. Much more so than I've had to deal with probably up to this point in the iOS sort of ecosystem. So, I'm not doing a very good job with my joint here, you guys. I'm not keeping it lit very well. Trying out a new um, boom microphone stand today for the first time. And I'm pretty excited about that, so forgive me, I might have just grazed it with my headset a moment ago there, but I, I have the mic up, you know, much more at mouth level and eye level at a normal seating height uh, for once, for the first time, and uh, I think I'm enjoying that, and I hope that, you know, once I get my sort of attitude towards the mic, you know, how I, how I approach this thing, excuse me there again, just making a little adjustment as I'm talking about it to you. Uh, as we get that dialed in, I'll maybe have, you know, continue to be able to sort of tighten up the sound profile for the show. So just doing my best here. I think it was, uh, I don't know what I'm going to be able to do in post with my intro there with the terms of service, but I'm not entirely happy with the levels there yet. Um, you know, sort of looking at it as I go, but we'll, we'll get it. We'll see how it is. So... We're going to keep on looking at these terms of service stories. Yeah, additional terms was the stuff I swiped from LinkedIn. 
All right, so yeah, there's an article here I've got, and it is from, like, CNN.com, right? Money.CNN.com, okay? So, my rant is over. Now we're going to listen to CNN talk about it. CNN.com, that is. And, and when was this posted? So this is this is a bit in the past already. So And actually, I kind of, again, I've said this again in the past as well. I kind of like these stories that aren't super new. Because these problems aren't necessarily new. We've had advanced, sophisticated technology at work in our lives, in our pockets with these smartphones and the web for like 15, 20 years. You know, the, uh, the original iPhone came out in like 07. So it's 2018 now. So we have 10, 11 years of, you know, super smartphones. And before the, you know, iPhone came out, we had some stuff already creeping onto phones at that time, pointing that direction. And we had Palm Pilots and a couple other, you know, clunky devices trying to get there. And Blackberries and stuff, okay? That were giving you some web, you know? They were giving you some web. So... This stuff isn't that new. The problems aren't that new. The The level of visibility and pervasiveness, you know, has only gone up, especially with the sophistication of the devices and the ubiquitousness of these terms of service that we continue to accept, 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 and almost without exception, without having read them, right? So... CNN tech here in like 2014, it looks like. It's right, and they say here, the eight worst terms of service ever. LinkedIn, top of the article. A 91-word sentence of legal mumbo-jumbo in LinkedIn's terms of service says the social network has permission to do whatever it wants with your stuff. Voice a great idea. A groundbreaking invention. The company can just take it. The company has permission to claim anything you share on the professional networking service, even indirectly. And change it, share it, or profit from it. That even applies in ways that haven't even been discovered or invented yet. Talk about an open-ended contract. One employment lawyer cited it as the reason she killed her LinkedIn account. They have a link to that article here. When asked about the clause, LinkedIn said it reserves those powers, but it doesn't intend to use them. Even though our content license grants us broad right to use member content, it is not a right we exercise to its fullest extent. Our practice has always been that we ask members for their permission first before we use their content in an ad the company said in a statement. That's, you know, probably not the whole story, but we're just doing a little listicle thing here of this one, right? This is basically what it's called, right? It's like a list, an article that's a list. Listicle. <laughs> anyway, all right. 
Oh, yeah. Okay. So I thought they were changing it into an ad here, but they're pointing out, okay, the second worst one is, and this is where we're going here. I'm, I'm an Android. I noticed, and this is true. I don't have a flipping flashlight on my phone, you guys. Not, not naturally, right? All you Android guys are laughing at me right now because you know this and, and, you know, probably have long since forgotten about this, but because you de- dealt with it. Um, you download an app, right? Like we used to with our iPhones, but, and it turns on the, the, Camera, LED, the flash. So uh, best flashlight free is another guilty party in terms of uh, violating. They say here, when Android phones don't bring a built-in flashlight, many people turn to brightest flashlight free app. All right, so maybe some Android phones do, but this my S9 doesn't. Um, the brightest flashlight free app, which can turn on and off the camera's flash. More than 50 million people have downloaded that app without realizing that it secretly spied on them. How bad? Well, let me tell you. It says here, the terms of service said the app would periodically collect information, but it wasn't clear the app tracked a user's every move and sent that information to third-party advertisers, a flashlight app. Worst of all, accepting the terms of service was a ruse. The app started gathering location data before a person even gave the app permission to work. It was so bad, the FTC sued the company and its owner in 2013, Golden Shores Technologies and Eric Geidel, Geidel, settled the charges with the FTC. They agreed to delete any personal data they already had and, going forward, fully inform customers about the surveillance and wait for permission to start. Slappity slap slap wrist. <laughs> Next, Instagram. So there you go. There's the Instagram one. Um, in 2012, you know, it feels like a long time ago already, doesn't it? In 2012, Instagram tweaked its terms of service to let itself sell your photos to advertising companies. Your face could have been plastered on an ad somewhere without your permission. And I think in a couple of cases, this did occur and happened to people, okay? Uh, The decision scared lots of people. In a single month, the company lost half of its 16.3 million daily users. Okay, and I say uh, a lot of us who stayed, you know, changed the way we used the app for a while at least, for sure. So they saw a big slowdown in action, for sure. Massive. The exodus forced Instagram to perform a public mea culpa. Quote, legal documents are easy to misinterpret, the company said. It is not our intention to sell your photos. The language was changed, and Instagram co-founder Kevin Systrom promised the company had no plans to do that kind of thing. A year later, yeah, this is 2014 when they wrote this story, the company has recovered, seemingly it had 200 million users in in, in a one year later, wow, and they had 16.3 million at the time of the f- of the flub. <laughs> they did bounce back hard and good, um, but the episode has not been forgotten. Uh, I'm still on Instagram and very active on it, even though Facebook owns Instagram, and I really have a you know sort of general distaste for the Facebook experience these days. I'm kind of you know fell out of love with the Facebooks um, 
for the most part, but not that I'm not there still. But yeah, follow me on Instagram for great cannabis-related memes and the occasional conspiracy-slanted meme, you never know, at baked underscore and underscore awake. Yeah. (laughs) All right, Sears, Kmart. This is four on the listicle. Sears and Kmart, uh, who knew Sears and Kmart were in the surveillance business? For most of 2007, both retailers offered the following deal on their websites. So, again, you guys, not new. Sorry, shut up, Steve. (laughs) Join our online community to help us learn more about our customers, and we'll pay you $10 so you get 10 Sears bucks or whatever. As it turns out, that let the company spy on everything its customers did on their computers. Sears watched as an unsuspecting people as, as unsuspecting people shopped on websites, did their banking, ordered medicine, and checked mail. The company told customers what it was doing, but it was buried in the fine print. It was outrageous enough that the FTC stepped in. The retailer's parent company settled charges in 2009, agreeing to destroy all the data it collected and promised to issue more prominent disclosures. In a statement to CNN, the company asserted that customers were paid and informed up front. I'm sure $10 definitely covers it in terms of what the value Sears got back out of that. Um, so, and then, you know, I also, this occurred to me with the last story as well, um, with the flashlight folks who had to delete all that data, so to say. We all know that once the data's been sold, once it's gone, we don't really know from this little story what the gap in time was from when the data began to be collected, when it may have in turn been, you know, leveraged for uh, profit by namely sharing it and selling it. Um, and how long that went on for, you know, before it was supposedly shut down. This decision doesn't look like it extended to too many, if anybody, other than the original named company. So any of their customers might very well have been scot-free and able to just continue to do whatever they're going to do with the data that they may have already gotten. Likewise here with Sears and Kmart, two, I'm sure, very large databases, um, even if many people didn't sign up for that back in 2007 compared to the overall Sears customer base. I, I'm sure there were still hundreds, thousands, if not millions of people in both of those databases so uh exercise is an app that promises to teach you 15 new moves it's been downloaded more than 10,000 times on the google play store and gets great reviews the surprise downloading and allows the lap the app (laughs) to track your precise location Examine your Wi-Fi. I guess this weed is working pretty good. I already put it down a few minutes ago, this joint, because it's it got to me. It was a biggie, though. <laughs> so, Grease Monkey, good job. Uh, track your precise location. Sure, because, you know, it's an exercise tracker, right? It's getting your, your pedometer and stuff and calorie count. Examine your Wi-Fi connections, though, and record your web browsing. What? <laughs> When you plug your phone into a computer, it can tap your computer files or even delete them. Why are you deleting things, exercise app? What are you doing? The maker is Vell Brothers. I'm sure this thing has probably been shut down by now. The maker's Vell Brothers, and there's no listed record of who this actually is. 
Emails from CNN went unanswered. <laughs> this is great. This app developer has made more than two dozen other apps about exercise. They have a link to a story about that. Exercise, meditation, and children's games. Okay, so there I'm a sucker because I got kids' apps on the phone too on top of it all. And they all have similar voyeuristic features. Uh, the AVG Threat Labs app scanner lists nearly all of them as potential malware and calls its advertising software privacy invasive. Good times. Uh, TwitPic, I think a lot of you guys have heard of this one. I'm not that familiar with it, but I've certainly heard of it a lot. So what is this about? Used for sharing photos on Twitter. See, okay. TwitPic uh, has one-sided terms that any self-respecting artist would despise. TwitPic takes credit for your photos. The company keeps your deleted images, and you can't sue the company after a year. You still own the copyright to the work. But what's a copyright if you can't take credit? I don't know. What is it? Nothing, probably. Seems to me. The provisions are so bad that the Consumer Protection Project Terms of Service didn't read, gave it the worst possible grade. So these are cool uh, organizations like that. Um, Terms of Service didn't read, and they put a link in there on them as well. Uh, and this is by somebody named uh, Jose Paglieri. All right. Um, that's our, our writer of this story. Anyway, Terms of Service didn't read sort of reads these Terms of Service for us and helps us parse them meaningfully and, and rates them, you know, good, bad, or indifferent. Uh, so uh, pretty cool. Uh, thing and maybe I'll pull that link out separately uh, for us. Let me just copy link address right there. Save it for the show notes for us. Right, so everybody gets it. So we'll we'll keep that terms of service didn't read handy. We may need that in the future. Because that's what we're talking about here. That's why we're going deep on this. And that's why it preempted the garden and a bunch of other stuff. Because there's a couple other stories that are going to follow this. It's going to be a big old episode. Um, and yeah, it's, it's already an ongoing story. We've been discussing this on the podcast. And this is good to review every once in a while. That, you know, these are companies that we're still trusting we're letting them slide. We're giving them a buy on all of these, okay? I'm sure TwitPick is probably still in business because I've heard of them still to this day, and I've never downloaded that app. Um, I don't know why you need that when these days you can just insert pictures pretty nicely into Twitter, and I think they even let you, you know, embed them, you know, live preview style. And obviously I'm showing I need to spend more time on Twitter uh, if I really want to know, but anyway... All right, getting there. Snapchat, these guys, they got in big trouble. Snapchat, the temporary photo sending app, promises heightened privacy and security. You can even send pictures with a self-destructing timer. See, and I, I can hear myself sounding better when I get back behind this thing. I got it, I got in front of it, because probably because I'm blind, you guys, and I'm trying to look at the screen, even though it's giant in front of me. Yeah, I'll get some glasses. Don't worry about it. But at the very beginning of 2014, the company was hacked and 4.6 million customers' personal information was exposed. That's when everyone discovered the app was secretly taking their phone contact lists, probably not disclosed in their terms of service by the sound of it. Snapchat's original terms of service didn't mention anything. <laughs> Read the article, Steve. About uploading your contact list to its servers. Snapchat eventually did add the language to its terms of service in 2012, 
according to a subsequent federal investigation. What's more, disappearing videos don't actually vanish. They were stored, unencrypted, on phones. Anyone could just plug your device into a computer and play them. So last week, back in May of 2014, uh... Snapchat settled with the FTC on charges that it deceived customers. Last I checked, Snapchat is bigger than ever in 2018. One of the biggest. <clears throat> Already was huge in 2014. Uh, yeah, this was a good one. And this is the last of the eight. All right. And we'll move on to other fun stuff. But Google Buzz. Anybody remember that one? If you've had a Gmail account for a good while, you definitely remember it. And uh, here's what they got to say about Google Buzz. Once upon a time before Google Plus, Google had another social network called Buzz, which lived inside Gmail. Is anybody calling Google Alphabet really these days besides Google employees and PR firms and shit like that? Probably no, right? Every, I mean, even the news still calls them Google. Anyway. Back to the story. Buzz was an unmitigated disaster. When Buzz launched in February 2010, Gmail users were not given a choice whether or not to join it. They were all automatically opted in. Buzz automatically made Gmail users follow their most emailed contacts, who were then broadcast publicly for the world to see because I think we were all like loosely connected no matter what. The real-world effect, one blogger found it that it had actually exposed her partner and place of work to her abusive ex-husband and her creepy fans. Google moved quickly to undo the damage, but it already caught the attention of the authorities. The FTC sued, and Google agreed to a settlement saying that it used deceptive tactics and violated its own privacy promises to consumers. As part of the deal, Google undergoes annual privacy audits. I wonder if they're still subjected to those here in 2018. That would be interesting to note. Um, and Google, what happened to the don't be evil thing there? I thought that was you guys. Uh, they killed Buzz in 2011, but issues remain. Google updated its terms last year, allowing it to display users' names, photos, and more unless they explicitly opt out, drawing criticism from U.S. Senator Edward Markey. So, yeah, that's, you know, I think I, think, I thought it was a great uh, story. He has one last statement here and, and that he sums up with. Uh, our, our writer, and uh, that is websites have one-sided, unfair contracts. Apps access phone features that let them spy on you. You're not reading the fine print, but you should. And I couldn't agree more. Let's go back a page, and yes, that's Jose Paglieri. Thank you for that uh, story, CNN Tech. Um, I will include the link in the show notes for everyone. So, sort of going over and above terms of service, 
we have a story from thehill.com. Much more modern. We're coming right up to the present day here. And, uh, yeah, so who's thehill.com? This is like East Coast political um, website, right? I've heard of them. Lawmakers move to block government from ordering digital backdoors. Okay, so yeah, it's it's a pretty serious story, uh, and I think it's uh, worth giving everybody a quick, quick palate cleanser break before we jump into it after that heaviness of terms of service. So... Yeah, we're going to come back to thehill.com after a super short break. Uh, This is your chance to get up without hitting pause and do whatever you're going to do. You just keep me in the pocket and go take me along to do whatever you're going to do anyway. That would be fine, too. Uh, And we'll come back and talk about this because this is like right now. All right. And digital backdoors, we've heard of them before, haven't we? Yeah. All right. We'll get into it and more when we return. Do you like annoying advertisements for podcasts you'll never listen to? Well, then you're at the right place because this is an advertisement for the Art Jacob Do America podcast featuring Art, Jacob, and Eric B. Castillo, the dirtiest man on the internet. Hello, do you want to hear two and a half Mexicans talk about subjects that they have absolutely no authority over? Well then, you're in for a treat. Please make sure you listen to our episodes every Sunday night available on iTunes, Google Play, iHeart, Tuned In, or wherever the fuck you get your podcast from. Art and Jacob Do America. Fuck yeah. One, two, baby.
All right. 4.19, just switching to 4.20 p.m. local time here as I come back from our little break. And I know you guys wanted that break too, right? Wasn't that refreshing? Thank you, Art and Jacob. And is it Eric? The third half Mexican who's part of the Art and Jacob Do America podcast. Uh, some of my friends over at the Podcast Builders League who deal with a lot of fun topics, a lot of which have overlap with our own interests here on Baked and Awake. So Art and Jacob know I listen regularly to the pod, and I just love that new promo, man. That was super uh, entertaining and just pleasant. Ah, I felt refreshed. Speaking of refresh, while it's still 4.20 p.m., I'm going to put my big boy shorts on here and go back in for round two with my own uh, joint here of the uh, homegrown grease monkey from my good, good friend, uh, who shall remain nameless, but who knows who he is. And um, I decided, you know, I was geeking so hard off of that that we had to make it strain of the week. So before we drop back into our political and technical article about uh, technology uh, and the government, uh, I want to give us the breakdown on what Grease Monkey really is. I was close. It wasn't Gorilla Glue and Forum Girl Scout. It's Gorilla Glue number four crossed with cookies and cream uh got a description here from our friends over at allbud.com so grease monkey is indica dominant i i was geeking a little bit so maybe my friends you know fino here is a little bit more balanced because i was feeling a little bit more sativa e effect just like kind of bouncy let's uh try lighting it up and see what it does to me now this time <laughs> the rest of the way through But yeah, high, high tester, you know, being as you would expect with Gorilla Glue being one of the um, base, you know, parents to this. They're, you know, claiming 25 to 27 percent, um, you know, widely reported uh, potency for this strain. I, I wouldn't doubt it. Grease Monkey is an indica dominant hybrid strain created through crossing the classic Gorilla Glue number four with the delicious cookies and cream strain. This potent bud brings on the powerful effects and highly addictive flavor, flawlessly fusing those of its parent strains. With each rich inhale comes flavors of nutty vanilla and sweet skunky diesel. The aroma is just as delicious with an earthy pungency accented by sugary skunky diesel and a touch of vanilla. Grease Monkey High is a creeper, building up behind the eyes before suddenly taking hold. I think I experienced a little bit of that earlier on the first half of this joint. I think I overfilled my roller, and because I was worried it was going to blow out, I put two papers on it, too, so I'm, like, all sorts of fucked up with this joint, you guys, and that's why it's, like, going out on me, because I, I didn't, like, massage it like I probably should have to make it be nice to me, but... Being nice to me in another way, that's for sure. Um, so, before suddenly taking hold to finish it off here, you'll suddenly feel a slam to the head of euphoric relaxation that lulls you into a mental state of calm and haze. This effect will quickly become sleepy, 
easing both the mind and body into a completely sedated state that's calming and relaxing. So, the bag of this flower has a great gassy note, which is definitely in line with at least some of the descriptors that they put out there. I also see they note nutty and skunky, and I would, I would, that's the layer that presents to me in the bag, aroma-wise. I felt a strong head high. Working on bringing it right on back. I mean, it wasn't really totally diminished at all. I'm just trying to finish what I started with this joint here with all of us. I can smoke one joint for a podcast, surely. Um, uh, Exotic Genetics is the originator of this strain. So, there you go. Um, And if if you ask yourself or want to, you know, hit me on Instagram and poke a little fun at me and ask me if you know, my break time there was just as much driven by I need to answer the call of the munchies as anything else. Well, I don't know. But if you call going downstairs and pulling a beer out of the fridge and eating a four-day-old slice of pizza cold and scarfing down a bunch of chocolate-covered raisins and then coming up here and finding the last couple of Oreos in a bag over on the table next to the desk and eating those. All before coming back on the mic. Well, I don't know. I like the term snack attack. But y'all call it what you want. I call it good weed. All right. And that, and that, with that attitude adjustment, I think we're ready to get back into this. All right, we got to get back into this shit, you guys. There's work to do here. Thehill.com. This past week, like yesterday or something, the tenth. Yep. Morgan Chalfont writes: Lawmakers move to block government from ordering digital backdoors. A bipartisan group of House lawmakers have introduced legislation that would block the federal government from requiring technology companies to design devices with so-called backdoors to allow law enforcement to access them. The bill represents the latest effort by lawmakers in Congress to wade into the battle between federal law enforcement officials and tech companies over encryption which reached a boiling point in 2015 as the FBI tussled with Apple over a locked iPhone linked to the San Bernardino terror attack case. Who remembers that? I know I do. As I recall, they ended up using a third-party solution. Let me shut up, Steve. Read the story, right? Um, In each of these cases, I actually did read these stories beforehand, but you know how you forget shit and then you get back into it and then you remember shit as you're reading it, so that's how it's going. We're doing this together, guys. We've talked about this in the past. Um, Refer you to the terms of service, okay? Thank you very much. Episode 42. First seven minutes and 20 seconds. If you want to go back and recap. If you're just getting here, if you're just arriving, if you're just overhearing, you just happen to be in the room where this podcast is being played, you are also 
Subject to the terms of service. <laughs> uh, top FBI and Justice Department officials have repeatedly complained that they've been unable to access devices for ongoing criminal investigations because of encryption. FBI Director Christopher Wray has suggested that devices could be designed to allow investigators to access them, though he insists the Bureau is not looking for a, quote, backdoor. The bipartisan bill introduced Thursday would prohibit federal agencies from requiring or requesting that firms design or alter the security functions in its product or service to allow the surveillance of any user of such product or service or to allow the physical search of such product by the government. I mean, sounds okay, in theory, if we're remotely adhered to. You know, I mean, what government are we talking about? The government? The government? Or the shadow government who runs the government? Oh, God, conspiracy guy. Shut up. Deep state? I, you know, I mean, who who listens to this shit? We already just listened to eight stories of people abusing their own company's, you know, stated missions and contracts with their users. Anyway, so let's see here. Uh, we got a representative, Zoe Lofgren from California, Democrat, introduced the legislation along with uh, reps Ted Liu, also a Democrat. Gerald Nadler, uh, uh, so Ted Lewis from California, Gerald Nadler's from New York, Nadler, Nadler, um, Matt Gates, yeah, Gates, G-A-E-T-Z, Matt Gates, uh, Republican from Florida, so bipartisan bill here, Thomas Massey, Republican, Kentucky, and Ted Poe, Republican, Texas, uh, so this is, you know, pretty bipartisan, and, and quite a few senators on here, <clears throat> Um, or representatives anyway the bill would also block courts from issuing an order to compel companies to design products with backdoors quote unquote to allow for surveillance or law enforcement searches the legislation makes an exception for mandates requests or court orders that are authorized under the communications assistance for law enforcement act Communications Assistance for Law Enforcement Act, a 1994 law requiring telephone companies to make changes to their network design in order to make it easier for the government to wiretap phone calls. Wow. I mean, I'm not... I'm not gloating here. This underscores the statement the observation I made earlier. Not a new problem, y'all. The bill's introduction comes following an FBI Inspector General report that found the Bureau did not exhaust all avenues when trying to unlock the San Bernardino suspect's iPhone before pursuing a court order to force Apple to break into the device. This is what I'm talking about. Critics have argued that the report shows the FBI was more interested in establishing a legal precedent to get companies to bypass encryption than in actually unlocking the phone, that particular phone. This wasn't the first one they tried this on, by the way. 
Lofgren and other sponsors of the bill were among a group of lawmakers who wrote in to Ray in April describing the report as troubling and suggesting that the FBI could find solutions to unlocking encrypted devices on the market instead of designing devices in order to allow law enforcement to probe them. Some, like Senator Ron Wyden, Oregon Democrat, show here, argue that altering the design of digital devices to allow for such access would weaken security. Lofgren's bill is identical to legislation she introduced back in 2015. The bill, along with its companion in the Senate, sponsored by Wyden, never went to the floor for a vote. Interesting. Attorney General Jeff Sessions said this week that Congress may ultimately need to take action, quote-unquote, to solve the encryption problem. He and other officials have said the FBI was unable to break into thousands of devices last year, despite having warrants to probe them. Senators Dianne Feinstein of California and Chuck Grassley of Iowa, Democrat and Republican respectively, meanwhile are said to be in the early stages of pursuing their own legislation in the Senate, though the details of what a prospective bill would look like are unclear. So as I said, this story is like, couldn't be fresher. Um, so thank you, The Hill and Morgan Chalfont. Um, we'll put the link in the show notes. My commentary on that is, I guess, I applaud the efforts uh, and the idea of uh, doing this as lawmakers, um, trying to help us out here, uh, it would appear. I'm just not sure, you know, to what extent it's really adhered to or not um, anyway today right now all over the place by government and private corporations because we've obviously talked about both so far here today so um, and you know we're transcending an hour here so let's take a peek at the notes uh, you know I mean I had stories for you I got stories for you it just depends on how much how far we want to go maybe stories about AI. I'll give you one more story. We're in we're in overtime. All right, we're a little over an hour, but um, the rest we can happily save to next week. They're they're more than worthy of hanging on to and sharing. Um, but we dropped in the old strain of the week there, so we'll. leave you with this really neat one which isn't again totally a new story okay but this is more important now that these devices are much more ubiquitous maybe you don't even have one but one's in the home of your friends or your family talking about your Alexa talking about your Google home I'm talking about any assistant-enabled device, whether that's a Cortana on an Xbox One on a browser with a Kinect attached to it, 
uh, or any of the many, many home speakers. Uh, I'm talking about your Nest system and any other home uh, integration system. But in particular here, this story comes from uh, VentureBeat.com, okay, whoever this is. Um, I got it, you know, via the slash dot tunnel. All right. But uh, this is, again, brand new story, but this is a story that is is about something that we've sort of known about since, like, 2016, and they'll mention it here below. Siri, Alexa, and Google Assistant can be controlled by inaudible commands. So, Apple's Siri, Amazon's Alexa, and Google's Assistant were meant to be controlled by live human voices. But all three AI assistants are susceptible to hidden commands, undetectable to the human ear. Researchers in China and the United States have independently confirmed this. The New York Times reports today that the assistants can be controlled using subsonic commands hidden in radio music, YouTube videos, or even white noise played over speakers. A potentially huge security risk for users. to agree. According to the report, the assistants can be made to dial phone numbers, launch websites, make purchases, and access smart home accessories, such as door locks. At the same time as human listeners are perceiving anything from completely different spoken text to recordings of music. In some cases, assistants can be instructed to take pictures or send text messages receiving commands from up to 25 feet away through a building's open windows. Any attack that can be done um, from 25 feet away through open windows is also actively being developed and worked on to be able to be deployed remotely against somebody from any distance away. Trust me on that. Um, I mean, yeah, trust this guy podcasting on that i don't know don't trust me on it look into it but I'm, I'm pretty sure that what i just said is is not totally out of pocket at all regarding that whatever we know about you know is just the tip of the iceberg is all i'm saying there back to the story researchers at berkeley said they can modestly alter audio files to quote cancel out the sound that the speech recognition system was supposed to hear and replace it with a sound that would be transcribed differently by machines while being nearly undetectable to the human ear. Princeton University and China's Zhejiang University researchers enhanced the attack by first muting the AI device so its own responses would also be inaudible to the user. Interesting. They muted it. So its own responses would be inaudible to the user. Wow. Because the device would probably say, taking photo, you know, sharing, contact, whatever it might be. Otherwise audibly. The novelty here is the unhearable nature of the secret commands. TV shows and commercials have openly and deliberately triggered certain digital assistants using verbalized phrases... But hiding the phrase is the sonic equivalent of subliminal advertising. There are not yet laws against triggering AI devices with hidden phrases. However, 
potentially an enabling the practice to be exploited without straightforward legal consequences. Oh, so I just read that just ridiculously. There are not yet laws against triggering AI devices with hidden phrases, however, potentially enabling the practice to be exploited without straightforward legal consequences. So, yeah, absolutely the case. Um, you know, this is a quagmire. Giggity. If the security issue isn't fully addressed, although it most certainly will be, the number of potential breaches could be staggering. As the Times points out, phones and speakers with digital assistance are expected to outnumber people by 2021. And over half of American households will have one or more smart speakers by then. All three of the digital assistant makers are apparently already aware of the vulnerability though they were vague in explaining existing mitigations. Amazon claims to have taken unspecified steps to ensure the Echo is secure. Unspecified steps. Google said the Assistant has features to mitigate undetectable commands, such as... And Apple said that its devices have precautions and limitations, precluding certain of the commands. It's unclear whether subsonic audio filtering alone will be enough to address the issue. But it's quite possible that a simple software patch will be enough to remove the risks. Yeah, well, maybe. Oh, I got you that time. I got you that time, everybody. All right. Well, we ran the clock out on that one. Um, I got stories about a creepy Google AI uh, with a behavior that we haven't even talked about yet um, too much in depth, but we'll keep that for next week. We have the garden update, which we know we'll get back to, and that'll be fun. Um plenty of other cannabis related news uh including like sort of i'm tracking on the john boehner sudden interest in the cannabis industry and how troubling that is uh i'm tracking on uh i think it's kamala harris uh jumping on uh cory booker's uh you know federal deregulation bill uh you know and you know, generally positive about that uh, outlook. Uh, a little bit cynical, I guess, in terms of I don't even like Booker as much as I did a few years ago. I don't I don't know uh, Senator Harris as much. You know, neither of these are senators from our state here in Washington. Uh, I think Booker's New Jersey or something. No, it's, uh, somewhere back east, and uh, she is too. She's like Michigan or something. So I need to look into them both you know because they're both likely potential you know 2020 presidential candidates um for the democratic party i guess um and that's why i'm sounding so limp on them both because i'm just like they both seem still pretty um conventional and establishment to me in most respects and this seems 
<sighs> it's opportunistic-ish. It's time, though, and they're both, you know, the right type of senators. They're young enough to, you know, fully sort of, I don't know, they walk the walk and, you know, talk, certainly talk the talk. I shouldn't say. I don't know how much they walk the walk. You say that saying right. Don't say that one backwards, I guess, huh? Alrighty. Well, I'm going to let you guys outro on Auntie's wonderful tunes here and mellow out because the grease monkey got me again. And I'm rambling. I'm going to go downstairs and try to get some dinner going for the fam. Uh, try not to eat too much of it while I'm making it. <laughs> uh, I hope you guys have a great week. Get at me. Let me know how this episode sounded because we got that new mic location. I don't think I held my head in place really as well as I needed to and disciplined myself. Maybe I'll build a box around my head that I put myself in. Um, and I also had the window open for part of the episode because it is getting warmer in here and I actually have been running my fan already up here. Um, but I, I didn't, you know, I didn't run it. Uh, turned that, you know, kept that off for us for today. We're not at the height of summer yet, and I'm not struggling with that yet. I, as I said, I'm going to try to shift the time of day uh, of recording. And yeah, I just ran out a whole nother song for you guys, so you know what to do. Smoke that indica. Do shit anyway. We'll see you soon. <laughs>